Dr. Jessica Higgins. Welcome to the Coupley Relationship Advice Podcast. Tim, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. So for those listening, Dr. Jessica Higgins is a legend. She is the host of the Empowered Relationship Podcast, which is one of the longest running relationship advice podcasts out there. One that I listen to and I recommend that you all listen to as well. She's a world-renowned relationship coach, licensed psychologist with her, with her PhD in clinical psychology and is the creator of The Connected Couple. Dr. Jessica helps couples and individuals transform pain and struggle into deep love, connection and vitality. Dr. Jessica, it is an absolute honor to have you here and I'm so excited to have this discussion with you. Me too. And I love just your enthusiasm and how much you do to support people navigating long-term intimacy and cultivating closeness and connectedness. So I'm thrilled to have a conversation with you and excited about just your playfulness and um, again, your passion. It is a fun and fascinating topic that we're in here. And I've been listening to your podcast, like I've said, on previous podcast episodes and I've said on your episode I've been listening to it for a long time and I really do feel like you've been a bit of a fairy godmother to Coupley in that it really helped me accelerate so much learning and learn so many things about this space when I was coming into it very new so it is a, a true full circle moment having you on and I'm really excited that we're gonna get to nerd out on all of these issues and topics together but first i really want to introduce you to our community so i'd love to for you to share a little bit more of your backstory and how you got into this space thank you uh <clears throat> excuse me i just i'm grateful just what you're sharing about the show and just how it's supported you and just how you've been able to kind of really bring a lot of principles together. That's my goal is to just help people have access to a lot of these relationship principles. As far as my journey, I many people are surprised to hear that from a very, very early age, and even in middle school, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist and people are like, oh, you're so lucky. And that being said, psychology is a huge field. And so while I've always been interested, curious about human nature, why we do what we do. I also, it took me many, many years to really come to the space of couples and intimacy through my own hardship and really felt most people, at least at that time, probably didn't have access to a lot of this. I think that's changing with apps, podcasts, and all the different ways that people can access information. But that being said, I think what we're encountering in cultivating intimacy, I think still is surprising what can get activated and what is sometimes required of us. So I do think for us to have a heads up around it can be so helpful. It's an absolutely fascinating space in that it's also very new. I feel like in the field of psychology, we're really only been truly getting very, very deep into the relationship side of things um, in relatively <coughs> times. In fact, the whole field of psychology is relatively uh, new compared to so many other fields. But as a relationship coach, like, what are some of the big things that, that you've been seeing recently? Any new things that are popping up? 
or things that you're just like, okay, this is a core problem that I'm seeing over and over again? That's such a big question. <laughs> it's like, what are, what's the number one? I mean, look, there's so many ways. I, I think you were wondering before about just what primes people to be able to engage and even entering into the space. I think mindset is important. So I remember one of my, I don't know if it was like the first year of my episodes in 2015, I really looked at unity mindset or destiny mindset, which is also in, I think in the business space called fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And that can have such a huge impact on one's experience. So specific to relationship, if we expect, okay, now that I've found the person that I have a really good fit with, it's going to be smooth sailing. Then any bump in the road or difficulty or challenge is going to feel really upsetting with that expectation in mind. And we're going to look at that challenge very differently than we would if we had more of a growth mindset. And so I think that is when we look at cultivating intimacy over a long period of time, I do think that's something that's very helpful. I'll pause there. It's almost like, hey, this is the person that you got into a relationship with. So tough luck this is me this is who i am this is who i'm always going to be and basically saying to the other person like well why should i have to change because you picked me for this so therefore i'm always going to be this and you're going to have to like it or lump it <laughs> yes and i do think there's something to be said about when we're in those first few years or even let's say two years of dating there's a lot of neurochemicals that are supporting that, as you know. There's a lot of ideas around who we imagine someone to be. In psychology, we'll call that projection. And so we don't know someone in all seasons. How do they deal with grief? How do they deal with upset and anger? And as we negotiate life and experience life, we get to see someone in all these different phases. And we might be surprised how they deal with grief or how they deal with a difficult emotion. And so sometimes it's just not visible in those beginning stages, what we would, might call the romance stage. So not only is it, oh, are we trying to change each other? And are you going to accept who I am? But it's also sometimes just surprising, like, I didn't know that about you. <laughs> yeah, you almost feel like shocked or surprised. You have a little bit of buyer's remorse where you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this was not... I didn't know that this thing was going to be part of our relationship. I thought this was all just going to be magic, uh, sunshine, rainbows, butterflies for our forever. Well, and I think it's difficult because I think when we are dating, we want to put our best foot forward. And so it is difficult to bring those parts that don't feel lovable, sexy, attractive, and make that like known, like that's not an easy thing to broach. So sometimes we do encounter like, I don't know that I, my partner knows this. And, and that's, I think a tricky thing. We're probably going against somewhat of like some serial, serious evolutionary <laughs> psychological, psychological programming, right? Because this first part where you're falling in love, the neurotransmitters are off the hook, the hormones are off the hook. That's really designed 
for as quick as possible to for our species to procreate, move out of the cave, move in with someone else in another cave, leave our family unit, um, which that there's a lot of lack of logic in that in terms of like your safety, uh, in terms of access to resources, all of this thing, all of mm-hmm. these things. So mm. we're really hardwired for this really, really quick. Let's jump off a cliff together with someone that we've only known <laughs> yeah. uh, a couple of months. And perhaps back in the Stone Age, that would have been totally fine. But now we have these expectations in our society. And I think long-term relationships are amazing. I, I mm-hmm. love being in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously in the game of trying to make people have amazing long-term relationships. But let's not pretend it's not really hard once those neurotransmitters and hormones fade away. And it's like you say, you do get that sense of like, okay, wow, what's what's happening here? What who is who is this person now? And why do I feel like I'm needing to relearn everything that over the last two years was so smooth? And I'm sure you know people, I know people that will be like, oh, that means it's not meant to work out. Let's start it again. Let's start it again. Let's start, <laughs> let's start it again. And so that roundabout goes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I have the most compassion for that like, experience of, of disillusionment, if I might say, because of what we dream for, long for, and then how we're equipped to handle conflict and I mean conflict in a bigger scope that we might just want different things or we might approach something differently and when we're living life together that can be conflictual like I want to leave 10 minutes early and you're like to leave five minutes late like I mean it seems like such a benign thing and yet that can be incredibly conflictual in, 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 in stressful moments so I think just to kind of give space and empathy and validation that not only are we going to feel triggered, which is one thing we haven't really said. So in a deep partnership, coming from an attachment perspective, meaning in psychology, there's an idea that from cradle, the beginning of life to grave, the end of life, we are wired up for connection to feel a sense of safe haven with another. When we're growing up, it's usually our caregiver's parents and we need them to survive. In adulthood, that romantic bond and that partnership with another, typically a spouse, is replicating that sense of haven, safety, and connection and resilience. We're stronger together when we have that sense of refuge. So we're always needing that. And when it seems like there's something that's threatening that sense of bondedness, we're going to feel it in our nervous system. That's why people are like, wow, like I'm doing and saying things that I didn't, that are not like me. Or how did we get here? Or, you know, just having all of these emotions coming up. And then combined with that, Tim, is most of us use our intellect to problem solve. And there's a lot of cultural reasons why that's helpful, necessary, and um, beneficial in our line of work or whatever, however we might need those skills. And yet when we're that activated and then we're approaching the conflict with a lot of 
let me explain, let me describe, let me protest and tell you the error of your ways. And this gets us into a back and forth. It could be defensiveness, it could be reactivity, it could be a lot of things. Protests could be shutting down. But this way of relating is creating disconnect, which takes us away from or distracts us from the thing that we really long for. And we're not really setting up that conflict to directly create connection. So I don't know if you have a question or if that makes sense. It's, it makes so much sense. And I think a lot of people listening to this will resonate as well. This was my default move in my previous relationship. It was, I always felt like if I could just explain, if if I could just explain um, my perspective on this, which is obviously right, then once they finally get it, then we won't have any problems anymore. <laughs> um, and I was obviously completely wrong, but it was really rooted in this idea that if I could just debate uh, like my position, they could just understand my position, really understand it. And <laughs> yeah. they, they would see that I was right. Um, and because I so desperately wanted to be to be right. So and I think it's Esther Perel that always says that, well, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? And in my case, it was it was true. And I ended up being right and not married. Yeah. And I think like it, it was the skill set, something that I was really proud of was being able to articulate an idea and defend a position. It always served me really well, um, apart from in this one area of life, which many people would say, not many people is probably our most important area of life. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That's been much of my story too, before coming into these ideas and practices and starting to really do a deeper dive in my own experience with relating. And yes, I would take the great care in like thinking about it, contemplating it, let me identify, let me explain. And I'm like, if I can just, and it's like, perfectly laid out like I feel like there should be no question there should be no issue and and yet it did not result to any closer of connection and even I will say fast forward in doing the principles I could articulate even things that so a lot of people may hear in the couple's space to try to stay in your own lane, use I statements, describe your own experience, get move away the most you can from describing the other person because they're likely going to get defensive. And so I can remember times where I I was being very, I would say, diplomatic and skillful in how I was communicating. And yet there was an inner internally an inner world of like storm. And it's like my husband can't even hear the words that I'm saying. He's tuning in and we all are, the neuro nervous system. And again, in psychology, neuroscience more specifically, we have the what's called as human beings neuroception. We're feeling the nervous systems of everyone around us and really strongly our significant other, especially if we have a history with them. It doesn't take much to get, oh, the something's up with them. And so my husband's responding and, and reacting to whatever he's sensing in me through my microfacial expressions, my tone of voice. And I'm like, so we've gotten couples therapy before and I'm and, and therapy is asking me to say, 
a version of, of the, what I exactly, I was like, I have exactly said this before. But the difference maker was often that I was not really revealing the vulnerability to the same degree. And there's a level of being willing to enter into that vulnerability, that visibility, and also his safety that I think can unlock a lot of that stuckness. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like our tone and all of the energy that we're just like transmitting out to our partner when we're having, when we're trying to navigate a difficult conversation with them. It really does speak to this idea of like creating a really nice space to move through some of this conflict like to the some i for me and my girlfriend that people on this podcast i think have heard before like if we have to talk about something we're like let's talk about this in bed and we'll just like cuddle up and, and have like a a sober conversation if we need to talk through some stuff hmm. um that is that is like our, our default definitely not like definitely not perfect definitely working on things we still snap back and forth each other still still make a lot of mistakes as every couple does maybe even couples who are professional relationship coaches do <laughs> but it's definitely something that has been very very helpful and i think like for me mentally moving myself off the perch like i love to put myself on a perch and and lecture people it feels so good up there um, <laughs> yeah i've had to re retire the perch I've had to put it, put it away, put it in the garage and, you know, chain it to the floor and mentally just always try and think, how do I step to the side of my partner and build on the things that they're saying so that I can truly visualize that reality that they're trying to say to me instead of just imposing my own on the situation. Yes. I mean, really, every moment is a new if we're living in time and space or living through time and space and hopefully for some some length of time we're changing every day our partner's changing every day so to come in with assumptions or to think we have it figured out or even to feel on top of it perched right in a lot of ways when i've utilized those strategies and i get a little bit more in touch it is a protective strategy that it is incredibly vulnerable to be in touch with the places that feel activated or insecure or worried or scared. And then also to be in presence of my significant other and his activation, fear, insecurity, and to hold and be present to that. That's, that's not an easy thing to do often and so incredibly rewarding. Yeah, this is where the really deep beauty can come from once the hormones and neurochemicals have faded. This is when you can start to feel like you're journeying towards the, the promised land. Um, and it's not easy. It's very difficult. And I think we've been sort of dancing around it, but I know we really wanted to talk about this idea of managing closeness and separateness and some of the things that we can dig up as we manage this process. So I'd love to hear more from you a little bit about closeness and separateness. Yes. Well, I will say that I, I most people 
enter into relationship to feel bonded and connected, right? As I've already said, we, it's a human need. And what tends to happen is we think we have to serve that in the highest. And it also is largely informed by how we were brought up. So we might have experiences where it wasn't safe to say, I don't want this, I want that, right? And to, to bring some difference to the table or even some people get the notion of like, I, there wasn't enough resource for people to ask me as a child, what do I want and what do I need? So I just kept that private or kept that down. Well, coming back to couplehood, there's an idea called fusion fantasy. So if we don't rock the boat, if I don't bring anything outside of what's known to be safe, status quo, comfortable, that's the goal is to be in this same, same, this very lock and step. And that over time can be incredibly limiting, can impact intimacy, passion, because it can be stifling. While it's beautiful to have this sense of closeness, but it it can also run the risk of being codependent, enmeshed, gridlocked, like all these terms that it's so overly prioritizing the intimacy or connection. I don't think anyone's talking about this. <laughs> I think this is really, really interesting because what we see, I feel like, in general media, on social media, if you scroll through TikTok and Instagram, is the idea of the couple influencer. And mm. they are wearing matching outfits. They're spending their lives traveling to exotic locations. They're doing dances together, videos together every single day. They are doing um, photo shoots together every week. And their content is only uh, them together constantly doing stuff together. And people are like, this is the ideal couple. This is the relationship that I want, this fusion of a couple. And when we think about it, they are business partners, they're content creator partners, they're in a romantic relationship, and they're also their only friend because when you're on the road and you're traveling, what happens is your social network uh, in real life, your real life network goes out the window. Yes. So they are fully fused couples and then they break up and everyone's minds are blown. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, even if someone's not an influencer and has been in relationship for a period of time, may even have recognized this fantasy as romanticizing those early stages. Stages. If we could just get back there, we just got to find that again. And I don't think any of us really would argue that that's not beautiful. It is beautiful, right? Like even synchronized swimmers or people that are like beautifully harmon harmoniously moving together. Like it is gorgeous and it's beautiful and it's part of the bigger picture. It's only part because as humans, if we just look at how we grow or even breathe for that matter, it's a inhaling and exhaling. So I take a breath in and I exhale it's expand and contract or even as i grow as children on the playground it's like they're let me explore and then i come back to home base right it's so it's we are constantly growing in this expansion and contraction and i think an in intimacy coming to the separateness or another term is called autonomy or even differentiation how do i hold on to myself my unique authentic person in this bond 
So not losing my identity or sense of self while staying connected. So the term that would be hopefully more balanced would be interdependence. How do we, so we're not fully independent and we're not fully codependent or infused. And that's, that's not an easy thing to really hold both because it, it can be conflictual. I want to have some alone time or I want to be close and I want to spend time with you or I want to make love and you're working or you've got a trip with some friends or, you know, it's like reaching and then saying no thank you or I need to go do my own thing. Like that's, there's, there's a research study and they exemplified it if you imagine a figure eight on, or an infinity sign. The point of reaching for closeness and also reaching for separateness is the place of most conflict for people. And I, I don't know that that's entirely true, but I do think that there's often, because to think about each person has the same need at the same time and the same pacing, like that's that's a really difficult thing to expect that we're gonna line up and want those same things at the exact same time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. When like you're not both gonna randomly be like, oh, we both want to do, explore a new hobby or see our friends or go do this thing or explore this personal interest or whatever it is at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, really interesting. And just this idea because when you're reaching towards someone, you're also, it makes you vulnerable. And then for them not to reach back, that, that that's a disconnect. And you're like, oh, oh like now the relationship feels off kilter. Um, it brings up feelings. It? Yeah, yeah, it brings, brings up, up feelings, feelings of rejection. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Well, I think first and foremost is just this bigger mindset that this is a part of health and well-being that we want to support each of us to feel a sense of agency and that it's welcomed. Because oftentimes it can feel threatening if someone wants to have an individual pursuit. But to your point about reaching and like, I want to do something else, I don't think it needs to be I'm ignoring you and giving you like a total wall. It's more of like, I love you. I want to spend time with you. And I need, I have had a really long day. Or like, let's say this person is more introverted. Maybe they want to read or journal or just be in silence for a while. That they're going to fill their cup and then they're going to be able to come back much more available and much more present, not divided because they're feeling this inner conflict of like, I need to fill my cup. So it's not as though we don't respond and say, I want to be with you. You matter so much to me and I care deeply about our closeness. And can we, this reminds me of it, this was last year. I, we, my husband and I had done some family traveling. We were gone for like two weeks. We were back in Santa Barbara for like a week. And then I had a trip to go meet my friend in Hawaii. And I had all this client, I had all this work to do. And even though we were together on the family trip, he, I took a side trip to visit my family. We, we hadn't done a lot of really connecting and my husband was getting kind of grumpy when we were back in Santa Barbara, hoping like, oh, we can connect before you go. And I just felt overwhelmed with the amount of work. And so 
part of what that looked like was, well, I'm not going to be available every night to do maybe what we would normally do, but let's schedule some really concentrated time, devote to us, and I'm going to be grinding a little bit this week. So it's like how to show up for my individual commitments and also for him to feel cared about. And sometimes to be able to really paint it red and be really clear it is responding to him. I'm not not responding, but it's not, I'm going to just neglect my individual commitments and then just be who you want me to be so we don't have conflict. It's like we have to work through it a bit and negotiate. It's, it's advanced. I think this is really advanced because for, I'm thinking about the, the people listening to this, I'm thinking about people using our, our app, and it's like this dance of responding with love maintaining a boundary still being open to some flexibility maybe with that boundary because if you'd have just said to him i'm so sorry i'm very busy and then i'm off to hawaii with the girls and like i'll see you <laughs> i'll see you later yeah um, it would have been very very different than than being like okay i'm very very busy but let's make sure that we do this together and this together i hear you I want to be with you too. Like that's not a re that doesn't feel like a rejection. That feels like a really nice, even even like a deeper compromise in some ways because you're saying like, hey, I've got a heck of a lot of stuff on, but I'm still going mm -hmm. to prioritize you and us, but not above the things that I do actually need to do, or get to a win-win. And to also echo what you're saying, the way that my husband raises his hand, like. That's also really important. So if one raises their hand with criticism or being super grumpy, like I, and we've done enough work that even if he was grumpy, I would still have the question of like, what's going on for him? What is it that he's needing? Like, let me not get distracted by the smoke signal of him being yeah. grumpy. Let me try to, cause it's looking for the good, looking for the health of like, there's something important that he is trying to communicate, even if it's not or I'm not communicating it in the most skillful way, if we can be interested in what's that, what what is it that's significant? What is it that's having meaning right now? And once we can connect with that, we can be pretty efficient around, oh, of course I wanna show up for you. Or, you know, there's many examples I can pull from that on face value, it would seem like, ooh, this could get off track real quick. And I can even feel it inside me wanting to get defensive or having any type of reaction. But if I can pivot towards how come this matters to him and what is it, what matters to me, then we can get into more of a win-win or how do we work together where it feels good for both of us. So many of these reach outs are calls for connection. Yes. And they can feel not like that at all. And like we try and talk about this in couple of use a metaphor of a ship and, a, and it's a relationship that you build together that it needs to be maintained. And the, the screws are these connecting moments. But the thing is, is that everyone uses like a different shape uh, attachment. So some people use a bolt, some people use a nail, some people use a screw, some people drill a hole in it and put wood in it. It all looks different. And understanding <laughs> how your partners look yeah. is a really, really important way of doing that and especially 
for a lot of people listening to this, they might not necessarily have that self-awareness of when someone comes at you, maybe they do come to you, at you with criticism. It's like, you know what, you just don't prioritize me. You're always mm-hmm. busy. Yeah. And now, and then you're going to be busy with your friends. And so am um, I at the absolute bottom I'm at the absolute bottom of the barrel. And that's the the frame that they're bringing. That's still a call for connection, but you've got to do a little bit of a psychological switcheroo and and somehow see that when your natural instinct is not going to be to connect in that moment. Precisely. And that is difficult, extremely, extremely difficult to maneuver and the long-term impact of trying. And look, sometimes we can't. Sometimes it's like, I am feeling triggered, I'm feeling defensive, or I don't know that I can really respond in the way that I want to respond. And we pause. And if we can get back to, I love this person, something's up for them. I don't love how they're raising their hand. And can I be an interest of what that thing is? And asking the questions that are in support of getting to those deeper layers. I mean, it's just super normal. So if we, we can get enough repetition where we can have some traction with this, we can be more motivated to... It's almost like some matrix moves. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like letting the bullet go by and like, yeah. du- you know, it's not necessarily yeah. having it, du- but it's it's not getting super hooked on some of those initial starts, even for people that are really conscious and intentional and mindful still can come out with some criticism or n- name calling or, you know, things that don't sound really that um, inviting. One example, just to concretize this a little bit, is uh, just I think two weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I had this classic conflict, yeah. and it emerges and it it comes up often, Tim, and we see it so we can get there. But I tend to want to do more. He tends to want to do less. His goal is to feel more calm and to feel uh, less stressed. My goal is to have the best we can have. (laughs) I want (laughs) to optimize it. So I'm willing to put in the work to get the best result that I can get. And it reinforces whenever I put in the work, even if it requires some sacrifice, I'm so happy with the result. So it, it, it motivates me to approach things that way. Whereas for him, similarly, he feels so much better when he is like calm and there's value in both. They're not, neither one is better. But this this can show up in if we're anything we're trying to do together, I will likely want to do more and he will likely want to do less, whether or not it's planning a vacation or and sometimes out of the gate, he's like, well, I'm not trying to go crazy or I'm not, you know, it's like and he's not even being but he's just in defense of like the thing that feels like upsetting for him. So uh it's it's staying in the the interest of like what is it that's really matters here because I I know I keep saying that but that is very helpful in these times of conflict and especially if we come back to the idea of separateness and um, closeness if we're feeling antsy if we're feeling this same same or just to even hold even if you don't bring the difference 
the different thing into relationship just to even be aware like i'd rather have sushi than i don't italian tonight like just to even be aware of it so we don't always damp down just to have that kind of synchronicity or that synchronized way of being because again over time that's just going to create a lot of doling and like stuffing and we're going to like at some point get to a place either blow up the relationship and break up or just like this doesn't fit me anymore no no doubt it doesn't fit you anymore because you haven't been bringing yourself to the table right like it's it's not fitting anymore because i haven't been doing the work for it to be an expression of myself or what really matters to me it's hard it's hard it's hard how do we get how what are some of the beginning things that couples can do to start to bring this into their relationship i think a lot of people might have never thought that any separation in relationship is healthy the narrative is like you are a team everything is a team you've got to be everything for each other you should be each other's therapist business coach hmm. uh top champion enthusiast gym coach gym partner business partner side hustle partner the whole shebang right uh. so how do we reverse some of some of the the ways that the, that things are going and like what are the, the first things like ground zeros that couples can do to even just begin managing this yeah well i just as you're <laughs> reflecting all this back it's like the amount of pressure we put on our primary like our relationship is quite immense uh, so ground zero, I, I know I referenced it already, but is having more of this growth mindset, knowing that conflict and difficulties is going to be part of the landscape. And if we can see that as an opportunity, that this is our curriculum, this is our way of, like I just mentioned, my husband and I know this conflict and we've worked this many, many, many times. We can see it more quickly. We can identify it more easily and we can learn to work together more. It's not without a little tension and, and and uh, static but if we hadn't done that work it could likely get us off track really quickly so if we can pivot towards how do we get to a win-win how do we learn to work together how do we have growth in this that's a again a different experience than feeling wildly threatened like something's wrong with you something's wrong with me or maybe we're not a good fit do you see that that would potentially really engage someone in a different way than just feeling upset by that experience and then judging it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the willingness, I would say, oh gosh, I think this is probably one of the harder things, is tolerating some of the discomfort in the interest of growth. I think a lot of us human nature, I mean, we're biologically wired up to expend the least amount of energy we want to be efficient and this is why we categorize things this is why you know it's just difficult to be in the dissonance of the difference we love each other more than anything we want to have a way that works together and yet we are on very different pages right now like that's yeah. extremely hard to tolerate so we want relief we want to and it's it's a quicker move to just say okay i'll just do what you want to do i'll just do what you want to do or or potentially be a little stronger to get your partner and try to persuade them to do what you want to do and one becomes a little bit more dominant and occupies a little bit more space so again if we can recognize what that ends up resulting in excuse me is that the relationship starts to represent one not both yeah 
Go ahead. I, I definitely, definitely that 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 makes a lot of sense. And I'm just thinking as an as an immigrant and someone lives in a different country, that's definitely something I've had to manage because I don't have family here, right? Mm. And so because I don't have family, I don't have frequent family obligations. And I see this with other my other friends who are come from different countries as well it's like if you're the foreigner you have to make sure you're preserving some of your own autonomy because if you're not careful you can just sort of like slip into assimilating yes right yes and and because your partner has family and regular family obligations that can end up being a hundred percent of of your life and like i'm very lucky my girlfriend has an awesome family they're also my friends i love hanging out with them but i also like to have my weekends to see my friends and do my own things as well so if i was only visiting her family every weekend it would in fact when we do that if we go there three if we're doing stuff like three or four weeks in a row i'm definitely like yo like (laughs) (laughs) you feel the skew you feel the imbalance perhaps yeah. yeah yeah big time i'm like listen you you go this weekend i'm gonna spend my weekend doing me and getting things organized and just doing just doing me and so we definitely I definitely feel that and so when you're saying like yeah and I've seen it in other relationships too where Mm. people just sort of become their partners they just start living their life for their partner and following them around and just doing whatever they do and you feel them like disappear from friendship groups and they're just yeah they're just they're just off um yeah it's very it's definitely something that can happen I don't I don't think anybody sets out to do that passively and then set their relationship up for a challenge. I don't I don't think that is ever a conscious thing. I think either one isn't in the habit of really advocating for what they want. Perhaps again they didn't grow up in an environment where it was really encouraged or welcomed or conversely it was like hugely threatening to bring anything up. So it's just safer to keep it a little tamped down. And so it's it's likely the person who's defaulting towards following has really good intentions. But again, over the long term, it's not going to feel very aligned I've just seen it too many times. Like this is where affairs happen. This is where people again have some like midlife crisis or some type of crisis where they're not satisfied. They're not happy. They've grown apart. They're attracted to someone else. It's like these needs and longings don't land in the relationship. So I would say another thing is to perhaps just take a little note around does my relationship represent me? Does it express what's most important to me? I do think a really good uh, practice or uh, exercise for people to do is to engage in what are our what what are individually our top values? Mm-hmm. Like what are our top five values each person, and being able to look at that in relationship that what are we creating together that supports and is in service of what matters most to us. And that's not an easy thing. I say it and it's like, oh yeah, sure. And, (laughs) 
when do we ever really pause and ponder what are my top five values? If money weren't an issue, if time weren't an issue, if anything weren't like what matters most to me? Like that typically people need to pause and reflect on that. It's not front and mind. And yet it is what likely we're going to be most motivated around and what's going to mean the most sense of fulfillment in life. So if we can get in touch with that, then we can be a little bit more aware to then bring that into the relationship. Maybe it means like I was just meeting with a client and she started dating someone new and she eats really healthy. She does a lot of fitness and she's dating someone who doesn't eat healthy, like doesn't, I mean, it's just like, she's like, we couldn't be any more different. And what they've done up until this point is all the things that he likes to do. And so I'm like, okay, well, what would it be like to ask him to go for a hike or to go, you know? And so, and again, that does often feel like some tension, which we tend to want to avoid. And again, having the mindset of like, this is going to grow us, what it's going to be in service of. And that can be more motivating to kind of tolerate some of that discomfort. You know, it sounds really weird, doesn't it? To be like, oh, we need to, we should, or a great exercise to do is to get a piece of paper out and start sharing, like, here are some things that are important to me in the way that I want to navigate my life and the way that I want to live. But I think you would be insane to presume that your relationship is just going to magically work without either person needing to do a little bit of relationship work. And yes, this is the very, very definition of relationship work in which you are having a meta conversation about your actual relationship you're not just in the relationship you're looking at it looking at the map charting where you want to go what are our values if money was was not uh, a thing for us what are the things that we'd like to do where would we like to go what people would we be why would we do this why does why is that thing important to you and it's often those like underneath the the passion yeah. or the the thing you'll you'll find the value uh, it will be somewhere like usually a little deeper. And yeah. and I think it's really powerful stuff to understand your values. And then what you so eloquently put is being comfortable with the dissonance that you two are two different people. And for some of this stuff, you want different things. And those things might change throughout the relationship. And you can't force someone to be the old person that they were. And you can't force someone just to be you. And you've sort of sketched out what could happen if you don't do that too, right? Because if you just start living for someone else, you can imagine how, what a cocktail it would be just for someone to see you as an individual, someone else, not your partner, to see you as an individual for the first time. And like you are saying, how affairs happen, that what struck with me. I was like, gosh, that makes a lot of sense. Hmm. No kidding. Yes, 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 yes. Because if we coming back to just what you started to say, if we can understand like what would X like thing allow me to feel like the understanding that deeper layer. And look, I want to be fair if someone's a little bit more individually prone or the autonomous prone. Uh, well, that's interesting. I was saying that. So we're talking about closeness. But it's actually not the type of intimacy that we really, that's more optimal because if someone's deferring, it's almost they've put aside a lot of what's important to them 
so that they can have what feels like harmony, no conflict, but they haven't really shown up to the relationship. So it's not the type of intimacy that we can really feel genuine passion and fulfillment in that does take a little more working. Because what Tim, what I was about to say is like, oh, in defense of someone who's a little bit more even like avoidant tendencies, likely it hasn't been welcomed. Like I said, it hasn't been safe. It hasn't felt comfortable to reveal or make those things visible. So to start small, right? Like I'm not as comfortable saying what I want or I'm not sure it's going to be appreciated or valued or included. And so it's a little bit different for me and um, I want to start practicing it. So can we be gentle or can we go slow? Like I think taking those baby steps would be helpful. Um, So I'll pause there. I don't know if you wanted to comment on any of that. No, it, 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 it makes a lot of sense and i was just thinking as as you were talking as well it's sort of like if you get strong-armed into doing something that you really don't want to do i just i'm like i'm getting flashbacks of seeing like the plus ones at an event that they clearly didn't want to be at and they're physically there but they're not actually there they're on their phone or they're like doing the minimum or they're sitting down in a corner on their phone and you think like oh they've been they're, they're here but they're not authentically here so giving their this intimacy that we're craving for is actually creating sometimes more disconnection and in that case it might have been better to be like you know what you're obviously exhausted you need your downtime like go relax i'm gonna go to this event you can pick me up at 12 like don't worry about it versus being like no we are a couple i want you to want to go to this thing that you obviously don't have the energy nor inclination to go to right so well said yes i mean it's i reference this so often, but I just find it fascinating. I think it came out of the Gottman Institute Mm -hmm. and that every couple has at least seven irreconcilable differences. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean irreconcilable in the sense of the court of law, like, oh, divorce material. I'm talking about just differences. You have the spender, the saver. We're watching um, Ramit. I don't know. He has a show on Netflix. It's called How to live your rich life or something. And there's these couples and how, and just people and how much shame people have about money and how they don't talk about some of their, or they, how they negotiate, like one holds all the money and it's not transparent. And so, um, there can be a lot of conflict around I mean, money can be such a money, sex, parenting. There's a lot of things that it's, um, makes really visible some of these things, but the introvert, the extrovert, the one that's on time, the one that's late, the planner, the more spontaneous one. There's a lot. The one that's more expressive, the one that's more contained, like all of these things can be on face value conflictual. But if to your point over a long term, if we honor the goodness and both, we can start to learn from each other and we might come a little bit more to the middle. Likely we'll still have our differences, but if we can work together, not try to change each other to your point earlier, how fulfilling that we get to exist and co-create and both feel good about our, our solutions. Like it's, it it's workshopping. Like we don't think we always have to do that in relationship, but we, we do often. And you, 
you get so much reward out of it. Like, I love the way... My girlfriend thinks so differently to me, but I love the way she thinks. Like, I love how introverted she is, how detailed she is, and how she's able to get into the nitty-gritty of so many different things where I'll, like, slide along the surface. And, of course, we have our, we have our conflicts, but she's learnt to love some of the differences. Like, we had a thing yesterday where I was giving away some chairs on Facebook Marketplace. This lady came to pick them up in an Uber and the Uber wouldn't put the chairs in the back of the car. He uh. just was being really mean to her. And she was, um, like English was her second language. She was getting upset and she was getting visibly upset. And I could tell that this guy was just being a dick. Mm -hmm. He left her. And so I said, listen, don't worry. Let's have a cup of tea. We'll get you another Uber. Like it's gonna be okay. We sat inside, had a cup of tea, and my girlfriend's like, I thought you were just giving away the chairs. Like, weren't you supposed to, like, put them out the front and, like, have someone pick them up? Like, why is there a lady downstairs? Why are we, why is that you having tea with this old lady downstairs? That's awesome. And, was, and this, this lady, her daughter, she was, it was her daughter that was organizing the Ubers, hmm. who, was a, a, who was in LA, so she's in a different country, we're in Canada. Wow. And so then her daughter calls, is like, mom, what happened? The Uber, she's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm having a nice cup of tea with this young man and I'll call you when I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, um, like you can, you can, uh, we, I've got to go back to work soon. So like, I can't hang around for too long. But um. we did have a lovely cup of tea and she was very sweet. But that is a big value. It's an example of a value difference mm -hmm. because my partner is definitely more suspicious. And obviously there's some gender stuff in there as well. It's like, a, I'm a young man. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Nothing. Um, but it, she was also just like, I love that about you too. I love that you can build. You want to make a someone. difference and be of right. help and service. Yeah. But it's a big value difference because she's like, there's no no way in hell a random stranger off the street is coming into my house for a cup of tea. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think it's, I think you're really right there. And just understanding that, that some of the things that we find most attractive about our partners are also going to be some of the things that are going to drive us the most mad and managing this separateness and like giving people permission to exist and still be them not expecting that they're going to always want to be doing it our way or even with us a hundred percent of the time despite how that hurts it's a it's 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 very advanced but if you can have these conversations you can build this into your relationship i'm expecting now that it will make a big difference yeah i think one thing that's really helped me is if i can ask the question of like if i'm super attached to a thing mm. like oh i want to go to the beach for our vacation and he's like, I want to go to the mountains. <laughs> and there's like no solution, right? Not really tenable to do both. And if I can ask the question of like, well, what would the beach allow me to feel? Like, what is it that I'm trying to get at? Or for him to ask that question, sometimes we can access some deeper things that can give us many more options. And I'm making this up so I don't really have an experience to draw from. But if I were thinking about the beach, it's like, oh, I want to see water, or I want to feel the fresh air, or I want to feel expansiveness, like expansive views, or I want to be outside and be in nature and just feel a relaxed, down-to-earth vibe, right? There might be other ways that I could accomplish that sense, that feeling. It doesn't need to be the beach. There could be many other ways, and vice, like whatever that thing that he's 
the mountains would allow him to feel. And that if we can get at the significance or the meaning, sometimes that gets us off of our ideas and gets us much more into how to show up for each other and have more creativity to see how might we both get something we want here. And and that that's the beauty of, of staying curious, right? And sort of standing beside your partner being like, okay, well, why is it that you want to go to the beach? Oh, what is it that you like about that? Is it the palm trees? Is it the water? Is it laying in sand? Like, let's let's get a little bit deeper. Or is it just a feeling of? Yeah. Is it just a feeling of of laying of laying on the beach and being with other holiday makers? Uh, yeah. There's, 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 it's like going a little deeper on 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 all of these things and and finding if there's ways that you can reach those. Yeah, that's very cool. That's very cool indeed. Well, Dr. Jessica. This has been a wonderful conversation. I would love to have you back again and do other topics with you in the future. Um, but I, please let the audience know. I'll have every link in the show notes, but I'd love for you to let the audience know what are some of the things that you're up to this year and where can people find you? Yeah. Well, I would say the biggest resource that you've already mentioned is the Empowered Relationship Podcast. And Tim, you've been a guest on the show and I loved our conversation. So people can find that episode on uh, Empowered Relationship Podcast, wherever people get their podcasts. And my website is drjessicahiggins.com. And I currently have a wait list for coaching, working with couples and individuals. And I'm recrafting my offers. I have a few courses on the website and I am reimagining how I'm going to show up for people. And I'm working on a new website. So I imagine it might be retreat related or something else. So I guess that retreat will have at the to be. Beach? Will it, will it be a beach or a mountain retreat? That's You're the listening so well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I love supporting people in learning how to get out of these disconnect patterns that beat people up, right? Like, feeling so misunderstood, can't speaking different languages and just running around in circles. So helping people learn how to find each other and create more of these connections in a way that feels really fulfilling and enlivening. So amazing. Dr. Jessica Higgins, thank you so much for your time. It was really wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Tim. It was a blast. I love what you're doing.